Welcome to Podcast Hackers, the show for podcasters by podcasters. Here, each episode, you'll hear from the best and brightest podcasters and learn how they're growing their audience, monetizing their shows, and making an impact through podcasting. And now, your host, Craig Hewitt. All right, welcome back to another episode of Podcast Hackers. Today, we have Jason Resnick on the show. We're going to be talking to Jason about his podcast and his podcasting journey, but in particular about how he uses email and email marketing to kind of grow his audience and connect with his listeners. So Jason, how are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me, Craig. No, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So for folks who don't know you or, or your podcast, Ask Res, can you tell folks a bit about kind of who you are and what you're doing in the podcasting world? Sure. I'm a web developer, first and foremost. At least that's what I did when I grew up. <laughs> <My career. laughs> but yeah, I run a, a services-based business in and around email marketing, behavioral marketing, but tying that into the website and making the data that you gather up through email available to your website so that the experience on the website is better for your customers, subscribers, you know, folks that may, you know, want to actually buy from you, you know, funny enough. So that's what I do for my services-based business. Now for my podcasts, I started podcasting, I guess, 2014 was the first podcast that I had ran where it was just a initially it was just two geeks on a on a Google Hangouts talking about WordPress and databases and plugins and geeking out on all that sort of stuff. But for me, it, I've always loved that medium. It's something that I'm not a writer, so sitting down to write a long form blog post is not my style. I much rather pull up a microphone, have a conversation, or even just talk for five minutes. Which you mentioned, Ask Res, which is my well. It's actually changing over the course of the next week or so. Okay. But it's a, that podcast I ran for a year, every single workday, which I basically just answered a question. And it's catered to developers and designers who, you know, they're starting their own business or maybe just thinking about starting their own business or got stuck in the weeds somewhere. And they have asked me a question either in socials or on my email list or wherever. I just basically fielded these questions and put them out as a podcast. I have a longer form podcast called Live in the Feast, which is a seasonal based podcast where every single season is a topic for freelancers, developers, designers, marketers, where the overarching theme is a topic, let's say marketing or sales. Currently, season five is selling your service. So every single episode is a deep dive with somebody on a specific strategy, tactic, result, those kind of things. And basically what I'm doing now at this point is, because AskRes was an experiment, it started out that way anyway, I'm merging the two. So everything will, moving forward, Live in the Feast will be the podcast. It'll be a twice a week podcast where it'll be the same podcast that all the listeners are listening to, they're accustomed to, but essentially adding in the Ask Res element to it. Of questions and answers and things like that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I, I got to hit on this because this is something that people don't do very often and don't definitely don't talk about very much is, you know, quitting a podcast or moving it into another podcast. And I think there's a lot of fear around like, if I stop this, what is my audience going to think? And technically, how do I do this? Do I, you know, merge feeds or migrate? And honestly, I don't know the answer to some of those things. So I'd love to, to hear how you thought about and executed on kind of the the migration of closing a show down intentionally and moving it into another one and trying to keep everybody kind of going in the same direction with you. Yeah. I mean, it's over the next week that 
I will actually officially close it, like, you know, the episode will release about it. But technically, I'm just leaving it there, kind of almost as an archive, a moment in time, the podcast okay. in and of itself. Because, you know, as you know, I mean, people come across things at different times that they need them, right? So if they're searching for something that Ask Res episode 261 can handle, it's there, right? I'm not doing any redirect. I'm not going to try to backfeed, you know, the existing live in the feast feed. It's just basically a transition where I'll release an episode. I'm thinking maybe two. I don't know why two. It's just I feel like there might be two needed where I will talk to the audience of the Ask Res show, basically say, hey, look, format is still the same. It's just over here now. So okay. go ahead and go to and I'll give them a nice little shortcut link to then go ahead and subscribe to Live in the Feast because the decision really came it was something that I was wrestling with for a little while because essentially two reasons one is the audience is very very similar if not the same but two the format is so different that I was wondering I could see in the analytics and of themselves that at least from the data that you can gather, like countries and things that are in players and such like that they use to actually consume the podcast, the audiences are different. Oh, interesting. Okay. So for me, I'm like, okay, so maybe they aren't the same listeners, right? But yeah. in and of itself, from a business perspective, I think it's more manageable from my perspective to be able to then go ahead and put them all onto one podcast, even if they are kind of two different shows, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's just one of those interesting things because I started Ask Res, like I said, as an experiment, just as a 30-day experiment on Anchor. And it was more of just, look, I get asked tons of questions and a lot of them are the same. So instead of me cut and pasting from an email or a tweet or something like that from somebody that asked me the same question last week, maybe there's a way in which I could just shoot them a link instead. Right? Mm -hmm. like here, go listen to this, this, this podcast or go to this you know, blog post. And so I did that and I started to see that growth. And that for me, it was like, okay, well, if subscriber growth is going, right? And we can only see really based on downloads, but I kind of just did some loose math, knack and math to see like the number of downloads per episode and things like that. And so I'm like, okay, well, the podcast is growing. So as long as it's going to grow, I'll keep doing it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It seems like people connected with that format in particular, right? Because I mean, you had the other, the other show that was already going, but you're getting all these new listeners just because it's a different podcast, right? It's you talking about the same topic, but. Right. And it's, and it's a very quick hit. So like, you know, had do you handle objections in a sales call? Huh. There's five minutes on that, right? So it's it's whatever somebody's putting into Google or maybe finding on Quora or something like that where it's just a question that they have that they need the answer to at this point in time. And then, oh, they find another question. They listen to that. And they, I find that a lot of times people consume a couple of questions in one shot. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Cool. So uh, you mentioned at the beginning that kind of a lot of your work now is in kind of around behavioral marketing and in particular on-page work and, and email. I know you're, you're heavily involved in email mm -hmm. and would love to, and I kind of started at the beginning, I guess, of why email? Because I think that's important. A lot of people say, you know, social media and Facebook groups and all this kind of stuff, which definitely has its place, I think, but sort of why email and why we should all be thinking about email as it relates to our podcast. And then after I want to get into some specific things that you do and would encourage other people to do to enhance the number of listeners they have and the kind of quality of connection that you have with your audience that you can get through email. Sure. So to answer the first question, email in and of itself was 
it comes back to really my love for e-commerce. As I said, I was a developer at the start of my career, still very much am to this day, but I always loved e-commerce. And pre-Amazon, people were doing e-commerce stores on their website and selling their wares and things like that. And email was the way you sold. And a lot of it is psychology-based and just me as a person, like I'm always... I'm always interested in human behavior. I mean, I minored in psychology. It's just one of those like interests of mine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was I was on a flight home last night, in fact, from San Diego to New York, and I read Ikigai, which I don't know if you've heard that book. No, I don't know of it. It's it's a really short book, but you know, in a couple of hours it was done. But it was really based around like long living humans and their behaviors and things like that. Like, you know, north of you know, 100 years to like 122 years old, right? Yeah. Uh, and so it was. it's just my nature to learn human behavior and, and how humans think about things. And so that was where I first started to really pay attention to email and seeing the power of it, not just by broadcasting something out every week, but how does the person engage with it? Is it an open? Is it a click? Are they replying? Are they interacting or engaging with the emails that are of a certain topic on a consistent basis. So like all of these things play into who we are and how we engage with those brands, those podcasts, those stores, whatever it could be. And so email for me was always intriguing. The hard part was until several years back was integrating that data point with the website. And it was very hard, loose APIs and things like that. And I found Drip. And that was the first foray for me to be able to really closely tie through an API a website with email subscriber data. And I helped my clients to be able to do that. And mind you, you could have, you know, previous to this, you could have people log in and create profiles and then cater your website in that way. But to be able to do it on the back end, essentially without them knowing, just because, you know, if you're talking to a developer or a designer, changing things on the website accordingly to speak their language Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I started there in Drip. It was probably about four or five years ago. So just for reference, Drip is an email marketing tool, marketing automation tool that lets you add email subscribers, send them emails, and then do some automations and profiling of people based on what they do on your website. Do they click your emails and what are they interested in? Things like that, right? Exactly right. And you can yeah. segment them and and do all sorts of things, record custom fields, custom metadata around the subscriber, things like that. And so I want to sit on this point just a minute. And so why is this important as opposed to a tool, and we don't need to name names, that isn't as quote smart where you just get email addresses and then send everyone the same email later? What's the difference? The difference is, is relevance, right? It, it all boils down to relevance and and how much you can position whatever it is, your thing, it could be a podcast, it could be a product, it could be a service in front of somebody that you are trying to attract, right? So we, you know, we all hate getting that phone call at night, you know, while we're eating dinner that is trying to sell us insurance. Now, how is that relevant to anything that I'm doing at this point in time, (laughs) right? So the thing is, but if, you know, all of a sudden your car got, you ran over a bunch of nails and had two flat tires, if a tow truck pulled up right alongside of you right at that point in time, that's highly relevant, right? Like that's great. So 
how can you create that sort of environment online is through data clicks, you know, what, what you know about the person that's actually looking at your website, things of that nature. I mean, Amazon's great at it. Like you go ahead and look at some product on Amazon, you know, three hours later, you get in your inbox, a couple of emails with relative products and things like that. Right. And how do they know that? Well, they knew that you clicked on that specific product and they obviously have your email address. So you have to, that's the, that's the number one thing that you have to do first and foremost is collect that email address so that you can then go ahead and engage with them at some level. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think Amazon is a great example of, I mean, at a really, really, really savvy level, what people are doing to kind of, let's say, track, not in a bad big brother Facebook way these days, but but right. keep track of what you're doing, what you're interested in, so that you as a, a company or a brand or a service or whatever can send people better emails, not just more, but better emails to help them with whatever your problem is that you're providing a solution for, right? So like the idea is you're being more helpful by giving them better information, right? Exactly right. So case in point, I work with two platforms, happens to be Drip and ConvertKit, right? They're both very similar, but cater to two different audiences, right? On my site, I have content in and around both of those things. So if I notice that a certain email address is only looking at ConvertKit type articles and content of mine, then I'm not going to send them anything on the other side about Drip because I'm going to just assume that they only concern themselves with ConvertKit and vice versa. So that at a very basic level is all done behind the scenes through email, you know, basically behavioral marketing. I just tracking the ticks, like tallying up on, and then I set that data on that subscriber record. Yeah. So for, you know, Penny podcaster out there who is, you know, got a show, got it going over the hump, if you will, of launching the podcast and all this kind of stuff, looking to get into using email in a savvy way to communicate with her her audience. What are some things that she can look at doing to communicate in a more relevant, as you say, manner about her podcast and email? Yeah, I mean, at a basic level, start directing people to some sort of opt-in, give them some value back in some sort of way so that you can now learn more about who your listener is, right? So that's step one is to get them on your email list. So if you got that going, then it's a matter of, you know, and everybody sees it is, Hey, there's a new episode out, right? So every Tuesday or Thursday, whenever your episodes come out, you send out that broadcast, letting people know that this, this episode has come out. That's kind of like the one-on-one kind of stuff. Outside of that, the next 102 level kind of thing is if you have a podcast that covers it several different topics, let's say you have three or four different topics that you talk about on a regular basis. Now you you have, let's say, 25 episodes or 30 episodes and they're divided equally. Well, then once your email subscribers, based on the categories that you have of podcast episodes, you could start segmenting out on the back end just by tallying them, like seeing which ones they have interest in. Obviously, podcasting world's harder. Well, I don't want to say harder, but it's different. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. different because a lot of people are just, you know, listening to it on their phone, right? So there's the context switch to get them from the phone to your website. But people that are searching for a problem that are using Google, they might find your podcast page, right? So yeah, I, I think of podcasting like blogging. That's how I've always thought about it because I don't blog, I podcast. And so 
I look at it from that end. If people are coming to my site from a search engine, find the answer to their question or problem, then on that page, there's some relevance there for them to then go ahead, either opt in or point them to the next episode that could be relevant to them, right? So once you have that kind of mechanism in place to then go ahead and track people on your email marketing platform, then it's a matter of sending relative products or services or whatever you're trying to sell to them based around that thing that's important to them because you know that they consume those types of episodes. Mm-hmm. I think kind of going back to, to 101 level a little bit is collecting that email address. And I think for, for folks who have done a lot of email, this is old hat maybe, but but maybe not even. And, and I think everyone can learn some things, but, but for folks who are maybe just getting started, what are some ways that you encourage or provide value for people to sign up to your email list? Because I, mean, I think for me, like, hey, sign up to my email list and I'll email you about every podcast episode. I don't, I don't need an email about a podcast episode because right. it's in Overcast on my phone, right? Like I know that mm-hmm. the podcast episode is out on Thursday. So I think a question for a lot of folks, myself included, is like, what can I do to offer more value that only comes in email? that then someone would come and say, yeah, Craig, I'll, I'll sign up for your email list around the podcast because it does a thing. I don't know. What, what, how do you think about that? Yeah. It's again, it comes down to relevance, but then also a sliver of intent, right? So whatever your podcast goal is, right? Some people it's to buy a service or a course or a product. Other people, it's awareness of a cause or something of that nature. Sometimes it's just plain old entertainment, but at the back end of it, there is some sort of of business objective there. You want the motivation for somebody to opt into that, to have some sort of intent to ultimately get to your objective. So case in point, for me, for the Ask Res show, there's six categories, but five real categories of around freelancer problems, specialization, marketing, running your business, and, and so on. So if I know, and obviously every weekday, there's a ton of questions, right? Over 260 episodes at this point. My opt-in is, is I don't know where the person that comes to the site the very first time is in their business, right? They're just listening to one episode. Now, if they listen to another episode, could be, you know, maybe a hundred episodes away. So there's no real format there, but I asked them, look, if you want a customized playlist that I can deliver to you in a half an hour, basically you can binge list in a half an hour, Mm. opt in my email list and I'll send you that customized playlist. And I just ask a few questions on a follow-up email and tag them accordingly and then dump out the list based around where they could be. Obviously that goes, it took me a while to build that. It's kind of like those choose your own adventure books. You kind of have to know the paths that somebody might take, but that's one way of which to add value, right? So this person doesn't have to sift through 260 episodes and try to figure out which questions that they want to listen to. They just answer a couple of questions and I give them a half hour's worth of you know six or seven shows that yeah. they could listen to. But ultimately, then I know, okay, based around that, now I know if they because I do coaching for freelancers, I have a community for freelancers, based around some of those things, I could start pushing them towards those specific products because I know how advanced or how new they are. Gotcha, gotcha. 
No, I really like that. I mean, I think that asking yourself the question of of kind of what can I do that I already have and that's built into the podcast as a whole, I can provide more value uniquely through email is probably the question we should be asking ourselves. We all look at like podcasting as like, I podcast, this is the medium that I communicate through, but then you can use email to just provide your podcast information to people in a more concise way, right? Irrelevant. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, the opt-in really has to, and and I heard, heard uh, Greg Hickman talk about this on stage. He said that a lead magnet, you have to look at it from the perspective of the intent of the person, right? So he gave a great example where he said that, look, if I'm a personal trainer and I'm, I have a website, my lead magnet is you know, 14 days to better abs, right? And then here, I'm giving you a menu of 14 days with recipes included and people opt into that, right? Then I go and pitch them on hiring me as a personal trainer. That, that's a misalignment because that person came in for the recipes, but now you're telling them that they have to work out. Mm-hmm. They may not want to work out. That's why they're going for the recipes. So you have to really think about the intent of the person when they're opting in to go along that next step of the journey to then go ahead and so that you can reach your objectives. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that it kind of ties together the, the value and the relevance that you'll be providing in the email with the reason that you're opting in in the beginning, that a customer can expect the same thing as they go along in the journey with you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just to, just to get notified, I think at this point for any podcast host out there, if you have a form that says be notified when my next you know episode comes out, I think that goes along with like, you know, Hey, subscribe to my newsletter. Like that opt-in that was of the, you know, 10, 15 years ago when people were like, just put like that on there and that was good enough to opt in. I think nowadays we have to be a little bit more like, as you said, like, I don't need an email to tell me that my favorite podcast comes out on Thursday. I know I'm waiting for it already. So right. I don't need right. to know that. You have to kind of give them some sort of value add. And it, and it doesn't have to be overly expensive to build or anything like that. You can even just, you know, kind of look at what you do already in your business that maybe, you know, you can format it into a nice PDF. It could be a checklist, a how-to guide. It could be, you know, even a video demo of something. You know, it could be whatever, but it has to bring that value to the listeners so that, you know, it's enticing enough for them to actually do that context jump from your phone to the web and then give you their email address. Yeah, you know, something that I like to 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 think about in this respect is to switch the content a little and the I'll say like the angle of my topic that I'm, you know, podcasting and emailing around. You know, so if we talk about, you know, abs or whatever, the six-pack abs in my podcast, instead of working out that I talk about in the podcast, I might say, you know, in addition to working out, you also need to think about how you can eat right. You know, drop your email in here and I'll send you this, you know, 15-page guide on, you know, how to crash course for how to eat right or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that you're working out is actually effective or something. And I think that's it's something to consider. There's no kind of right or wrong answer to this, but I think it's something to consider is, you know, we podcast about a certain topic or a certain aspect of our topic. And, you know, a lot of times like the audio medium is just right for that. But something in email or a PDF or a video or something like that is better for another aspect of our main topic. And so I like to to try to kind of like surround the the topic in this way is like podcast about it from the left and email or video or white paper or whatever from the right, if you will, as a way to give people a different way to consume information and slightly different information about our kind of broader topics. So that's something people can think about is don't give them the same information as you'd give them in the podcast. 
in any kind of other format, really. Yeah. And I think that that works especially well if you have an interview show, Yeah, right? Because... I mean, as the host, the guest is the one that you're highlighting. So they they may have an offer and or for the audience or whatever it could be. Now there could be a bonus episode, like 10 minutes, you know, or quick fire, you know, quick rapid fire five question post show that you only get through email, right? So it's like that content upgrade sort of mentality that, hey, you got you got this. If you want more, then you can share your email address and I'll send it to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of the ones I like is uh, Tim Ferriss and his Five Friday or Friday Five or whatever, where it lists kind of five things that he has seen or books he's reading or TED Talks he's watched or things like that. And it's just a really quick digestible thing to kind of help people stay on the, you know, the journey of personal improvement and kind of peak performance that he talks about. But they're all different, but all around mm-hmm. his kind of main topic. So I think he does it really well. And he, Tim Ferriss does a lot of things really well. But I think in particular, <laughs> the reason you opt into his emails and then what he delivers is is really solid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's the other thing too, is on my email list, I don't just, it's a way to crossbreed your brand too, right? So like I have, yes, big portion of my list is podcast listeners, but there are a lot of people on that list that aren't, but maybe they could be and vice versa, right? So I talk about the podcast in other emails, right? So, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how you could also help to grow your podcast and things of that nature during your welcome email sequence that you might have when some somebody first comes in if they are a lead or they just opt in to you know get that content upgrade that you gave on your blog that welcome sequence says hey i also have a podcast and based off of you know the lead magnet that you had i talked about that on these three shows and you could grow the listenership in that realm yes it might be a same email subscriber but Again, there's that exposure to somebody new that you might have not had yesterday. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that. I like that. I mean, because I, I think a lot of us, you know, even you know, if it's a company doing this for their brand, or if it's a guy talking about, you know, Green Bay Packers or, or whatever, I think you know that people come to your site and can get onto your email list for a lot of different reasons and from a lot of different places. And to think about, you know, like you're saying, cross pollinate or cross promote even within your brand, your podcast and your blog and your YouTube channel and your social media and a a nice way for people to come in from much different angles. And then through email, which is kind of the common denominator, you can let them know about other things that you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even offer, you know, even if you know that they're a listener already, just like I was saying before, is you kind of tally up, you know, I ridiculous on the back end with this kind of stuff, but that's just the nature of me. But yeah, you know, I know if somebody listens to a podcast, once they hit to a certain point, then I'll shoot them and say, hey, you enjoyed seven episodes of mine. Would you mind sharing that to your Facebook friends or your Twitter feed or whatever, just to kind of spread the word? Because if they've listened to it enough times, obviously they're, they like it right? at the very least. So they might want to just go ahead and share it. So you can use your audience in that way as well. Yeah, yeah. And just to kind of dig in on the broad strokes of this kind of profiling lead scoring that you do in a tool like ConvertKit or Drip, can you talk about without getting too into the weeds, generally kind of what your the approach you're taking so folks kind of have an idea of if they want to start this, 
what kind of conceptually they need to think about doing to start sending more relevant emails to people based on their behaviors on their site and, and, and how they've interacted with your emails? Yeah, at a very simple level. I mean, if you have an important page on your website, now it could be a podcast show, you know that maybe your customers convert from a lot of times. The simplest way is to set up a spot and I call them landing page abandonments. Like we're all aware of like shopping cart abandonments where we add something to the shopping cart, especially on Amazon. A couple hours later, they say, hey, you added this to your cart if you don't make that purchase. Similarly, figure out what that page is on your website for your podcast, for your services, whatever it could be. And then go ahead and in any of those platforms, you could create a mechanism to then go ahead and trigger off an email if they don't do something, right? So if they don't buy your thing because you have that stuff set up on the back end, if they don't actually get to that goal of buying, shoot them an email saying, hey, I know phone may have rang, your kid may have you know, grabbed you or your cat ran across your keyboard. I know you're, you were just wanted to nudge you on this, right? So it's, it's more of a nice little touch to say, this is something of interest that maybe you got distracted away from. So I wanted to bring you back to that. That's just one thing. Another thing would be to know those kind of categories that your listeners center around, right? So if, especially like, so if your show, if you have a longer form show and then maybe a talking head show, if you have, uh, rather you have an interview show and a talking head show, right? So if you have those two kind of episodes in your show, you may have segments within. People don't want to listen to the interview show. They just want the 10 or 15 minute talking head show and vice versa. So if you know that you could create sequences around those kind of things, Maybe if somebody listens to a couple of talking head shows about, you know, like you said, like you know, the Green Bay Packers, right? Where you're ranting on the Green Bay Packers for whatever reason. Uh, this is going to be a terrible example, but... Stuff <laughs> <laughs> to come up know, with on the fly. Right. But in and of itself, it says, okay, well, if you're going to then hold a viewing party on Facebook for the Green Bay Packers, right? You could automatically send those people that have listened to those individual shows an email about it. Right. So those kind of things you can think about and be a little bit more creative on the back end. Cause as podcasters, sometimes we just get into the, you know, the, the motion of doing things. But when you kind of step away and think outside the box and think about what you would want as a listener to know more about and try to see if you can cater that for your listener through email. Yeah. 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 No, I love it. I mean, I think the the idea of sending people better, more relevant, appropriate emails based on what they're interested in is is genius. I think one of the one of the big challenges that we have as podcasters is to take people from their phone walking the dog to our site to do whatever, right? You're a business, you're a hobby, you're a fashion show, you're a whatever. I think the fact is the vast majority of people across all genres of podcasts listen on the go in some way, streaming or download on their phone, on the train, walking the dog, running, whatever, at the gym. How do you like to incentivize people to go to your website. So I'm like a huge fan of like your podcast should have a home and that home is your website. It's not Anchor. It's not Castos. It's not any of these places. Like I think everyone should have a website for their podcast and that's where you should encourage people to go so that you can 
learn more about them and get their email address to you and send them more information, all that kind of stuff. But how do you, how do you bridge that gap from the guys at the gym or the gals walking the dog to get back to their laptop at home or their iPad and do something on your website? Yeah, I'm still learning that myself. Um, <laughs> I, I'll be honest. The, the thing that I mentioned before about like that choose your own adventure on the Ask Rez show, I think that that has been something that surprised me as converting people or taking them from the gym and going back and signing up because I guess you're like, hey, if he could give me a half an hour of shows, then I don't have to run through this. That'd be great. I'll just queue up at, you know, five or six shows and then my workout's full, right? So that's been pretty good. So I've started to think about that in the context of my other show to try to see how I can bucket certain episodes together to do something very similar. Because I think that customized playlist, like the, you know, Pandora, if you will, right? Like if you like a song on Pandora, then they're going to show you more of those. I think people want more of that. They don't necessarily want that, you know, it's, it's harder for you to say, hey, go download my checklist unless it's a real big pain point for them. Yeah. Um, and having that, that's like the classic content upgrade thing and to try to create a content upgrade per episode again a lot of work but it does convert better than just the standard hey you know sign up to my newsletter i'll let you know about you know upcoming episodes or if you want to come on and be a guest yourself you could sign up to my podcast those are those kind of i guess those surface levels but i think if you get deeper and more relevant to the person that's that's going to actually take that context switch and make it easier for them because they're going to want to do that now, obviously, once they press stop and they go on to the next podcast and uh, <laughs> at the gym, they still have to remember to come over to the site, which is always the hard part. But, you know, we, we deal with what we have. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it is the the beauty and the difficulty of podcasting. I think if you're trying to, to bridge that gap at all, it's just to give people a compelling enough reason, whatever your goal and the value you offer is to, to go from the iPad or the, the iPhone to the computer to do something is kind of the, the tough part. But cool, Jason, this has really been helpful and insightful for me and I hope for everybody listening. For folks who want to kind of learn more and continue the discussion, check out some of the things that you've mentioned in more detail, where is a good place for them to, to kind of connect with you and learn more about you know email marketing, marketing automation, things like that as it relates to podcasting? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Rez, that's three Zs, or you can head over to my website, res.com slash services, and I talk about all of those kind of things right there. Awesome, awesome. Jason, thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it, and we'll catch up soon. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Podcast Hackers. If you liked what you heard today, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. This goes a long way towards helping spread the word about the show to other podcasters just like you. Until next time, happy podcasting.